Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, today we come to the end of our sermon series, A Life Worth Living. I think we all want to live a life worth living, right? We want to feel right now that it's worth living. And certainly when this life is over and we stand before the Lord, we want to feel as though it was worth living. And so for the last nine weeks, we have been considering what are the things that need to be settled in our lives? What kinds of things are we just really have to have the right understanding of and and get that settled and and so that we can live a life that is worth living. And so uh, let's just do a quick review of what it means to live a life that's worth living. Two things, you remember, right? The first one is that our lives will pass the test when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And remember, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment about whether you go to heaven or hell. That is determined by whether or not you've received Christ as Savior. We'll talk a bit more about that today. Uh, So that's a different judgment. This judgment is an evaluation judgment of your life and how you lived it. And the Lord will look in, did you live this, this life the way that I wanted you to live it, the way I taught you to live it? You know, did you bring on a glory to me the way? And, and so we'll evaluate our lives. And I think at that point in time, the only thing that's going to matter to us is, is how did we do when we're standing before Jesus? And so uh, a life that's worth living is a life that when we find ourselves in that place, that the Lord will look at our lives. And, and yeah, we got all sorts of messes, Right. But he goes through our life and there were times and places we really trusted him and believed. And hopefully we grew in that and did better in that. And so when all said and done, he looks at it and says, well done. You did good. You lived life the way I wanted you to live it. And so that's what we want, a life worth living. But then we need to remember that it isn't just about something that's way out there in the future that's a little bit fuzzy to us. It's about life now. And a life that's worth living, this life that will... Jesus will approve of is also the life that is the most satisfying and meaningful for us now. It really is. Now, the world's going to tell you otherwise, right? The, the world that's not submitted to Christ is going to tell you otherwise. It's going to tell you that other things are what's going to really be satisfying to you. But it's a lie, okay? It's the kind of life that the Lord wants us to live that is the most satisfying and the most meaningful, the most filled with purpose, Uh, The blessings come, and even when the outward is a terrible mess inside with our relationship with the Lord, it's good. Okay, so this is what we're talking about, a life that's worth living. And the first week, we talked about being owned, okay? And so, the summary, God will reward me for being a faithful steward of the life he has given me. God is the one who owns my life, not me. He owns me, he owns my life, but he's entrusted it to me, and so I am a steward, And I need to be faithful in that. When I live that faithfully, God blesses me. Then the next week we talked about the pathway to guaranteed success, that God has guaranteed that I can do what he wants me to do. That's awesome, isn't it? If I will yield to him and go forward and acknowledge him and seek to live by his word and trust him that that's the best way to live, he's going to get me where he wants me to be, when he wants me to be there, prepared for what I need to do there. He guarantees that, okay? And then we looked at the fact that God knows. God knows everything, right? That means that God always knows what's best in every situation so that I can trust him to the very end, even in the hardest things of life. When the things get really hard, that's not a time to pull away 
from the Lord. That's the time to lean into the Lord because he's the one who knows what's best and how to get you through that. Okay, then we talked about this Jesus, 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 all about Jesus, okay? And, but he's the one. The Lord fills me with peace and gives me a life without regrets when I entrust myself fully to him. Would you like a life with no regrets? Right? And we all have some. Right? We all have things that we wish we had done differently. But increasingly, as we, as we give our lives over to the Lord and recognize him as the Lord of our lives, increasingly we can have less and less regrets because we're going to make better and better choices as we live our lives for him, okay? Then we talked about the perfect resource, that, that God's word tells me everything I need to know about living a life that pleases him and blesses me. And so we really, if, if we're going to understand all these things we're talking about, we've got to saturate ourselves with the word of God, right? We need to saturate our thinking with this, fill our hearts with it, and then act on it and live by it, all right? And then we talked about the narrow path to freedom, the, the way of the Lord. How does the Lord want us to live? And he tells us, I want you to live this way, not that way. Live this way, not that way. And so the way God has, the way God has called me to live is the only way to true freedom and increasing blessings. Again, the world's going to tell you otherwise. But what did Jesus say about this? The path that the world wants to offer you is wide and seems easy. But guess what happens to it? It gets narrow and narrow into a hard place where you don't want to be. Whereas Jesus starts real narrow, but when you live that way, it opens up life into true freedom and his blessings. All right? Go ahead. Then the tension reality. You know, Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles. You will have troubles because, that, first of all, there's a curse of sin in the world, but then there's also evil in the world. And that, that we're going to have all these pulls back and forth that creates this tension in our lives. But God uses the unavoidable tensions of life to draw me into a closer relationship with him. Just settle the fact that sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes life is going to be hard. But if you'll let it, if you surrender to the Lord in it, he'll use that for good. Isn't that good news? That all the stuff the world, you know, happens and you can just, just think you blow you out of the water and destroy, but God will use it for his good in your life, okay? Then one simple solution to everything. That sounds like something the preacher would say, right? But it's this, God says that it's always best for me to do the right thing right now. What's the right thing to do right now? Do it. Pretty simple, isn't it? Easy? Not always. <laughs> but very simple to understand, and that's what we need to do. Okay? And then we said no other gods is what we talked about last week. And the idea that, that money is a god to so many people. This is something we need to settle in our lives. That God entrusts me with money so I can live out the lordship of Christ in a practical and powerful way. Because God will show himself stronger than money in our lives when we surrender our money to him. Okay? And money is a very powerful thing in our world. God will show him strong, himself stronger than that when we yield ourselves to him. Now, you may be saying, you know, Walt, you've told us all this stuff. And I have, right? How many times have I explained to you what a life worth living is in the last nine weeks? At least nine times? <laughs> and all of these things, right? Well, it reminds me of a story of a, a church that got a brand new preacher. And the brand new preacher came in and he preached the first week. And everybody's excited. What a great sermon it was. And the second week he got up and preached. Everybody's looking forward to it. And he preached exactly the same sermon. That's kind of puzzling. Well, maybe he's just moving in. He's been really busy and didn't have time to prepare something else. Okay. Third week, he gets up to preach, and he preaches exactly the same sermon. 
Everybody's getting kind of worried, and they're talking to each other. What's going on here, right? And, and guess what happens on the fourth Sunday? Exact same sermon. Well, after that, there's a crowd of people around. They say, Pastor, uh, is, are you okay? Is everything going on? Well, yeah, sure. Why? He says, well, because you, you've preached the same sermon four times in a row. He says, yeah, and I'm going to keep preaching until you do it. Okay, well, that actually brings us to what we want to talk about today, the bottom line here. Okay, the bottom line. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 6, and that is page, uh, what is Luke, 1188. We actually looked at this verse briefly last week. We're going to look at the passage today, and then another passage. Luke chapter 6, and it's on page um, 1188 in the Bible that's in the chair there. And again, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. But we encourage you to pick one of those up under the chair in front of you and turn to page 1188. It'll be helpful to you. So you want to find chapter 6 and then verse 43. Jesus talking, he says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bring or bear good fruit. Every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. Okay, so let's stop. So Jesus is talking about trees and bushes, and, but the idea is that what kind of fruit does an apple tree produce? Apples. And an orange tree? Okay. And a donut tree? Oh, okay. No donut trees. All right. But we get the idea, right? What's what kind of tree that tree is at the core of its being is what it produces in their life. Okay, so then he's turning the same idea to us as people. And he says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And she so talks about what eventually comes out of us is what's really inside of us. Now, can we act on the outside like we're something different? Yes. yes, but eventually what happens? Eventually what's really there comes out, okay? And so he goes to this and he, now he's going to challenge them about what's coming out of their mouth, okay? And he says this, verse 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Okay, so he's saying something isn't lining up here, all right? Out of your mouth, you're saying, oh, Lord, Lord, you know, Jesus, you're my Lord. And he says, but your life, what? Doesn't match, okay? Now, what I want you to see here is that seems to contradict that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, doesn't it? Right? Because what's inside isn't good, but yet on the outside, the same is good. No, what we're saying, what, we're, what this is teaching is, is that what's coming out of the mouth isn't true that it's fake. It isn't what it's supposed to be. It isn't matching the heart. And how do we know? Because of what we're doing, see? Doesn't match those words. Something isn't right. And what he's saying, if he's Lord, we should be what? Doing what he says. Okay, let me ask this question. How many of you, if, if, if before I started the sermon, if I came in today and said, okay, little doctrine quiz. True or false, Jesus is Lord of all true, right? Okay, we get that. So we say it. Are we living like it? See, that's the challenge. And so let's continue. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do the things which I say? 
Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So he's telling us that we need to build our lives on this truth, Jesus is Lord. He really is Lord. And that means I build my life on that. means the decisions I make on that basis ought to be consistent with that. And when I do, and this is what we've been talking about for the last week, nine weeks, when I do pattern my life the way he says I ought to, and I, you know, my heart is yielded to him, and, and I'm trusting in him, I'm doing those things that when the storms of life come, anybody had any storms come in your life? Some of you may be in a huge storm right now. Well, Jesus says if we will yield to him and... and uh, live like he's really Lord, do the things that are consistent with him being Lord, that those storms will not destroy us. We go through those storms. I mean, as we, we come out the other end and God uses those storms then to make us stronger and healthier and able to glorify him even more, okay? But this key, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? So this is kind of a bottom line thing, isn't it? Right? It applies to all these things we've been talking about. Let's go to the book of James. James chapter 1, that's page 1386 in the Bible there under the chairs. Page 1386, James chapter 1. He's been talking about, you know, it starts about trials and then he talks about um, temptations and dealing with those. And uh, we get down to verse 21. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So, so uh, humbling ourselves before God and then receiving his word. Now, lots of ways you can do that. You can do that when you're reading the Bible on your own. You could read it when you're thinking. You do this when you're thinking about it. You could do it certainly here when the word is being preached to you. The idea is open up your heart so it gets, the word gets implanted. It goes in and takes root. And he says it's going to do something. It's going to save your souls. Now, once again, that's one of those phrases that when we hear it, we think, oh, not going to hell, going to heaven. Jesus has saved my soul. And that's true. But when he's talking about save your soul here, he's talking about going to save your soul from all the corruption that goes along with sin, all the evil that the world wants to bring into your life. He says it's going to save you from all of that when we humble ourselves and take in the word. Okay? And then he says this. this is, you see how this fits. But be, what's it say? Doers. Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? So don't be just a, a hearer, be a doer. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, <laughs> real simple illustration, right? I mean, I used to have hair, and I used to have to look in the mirror every morning and make sure that hair looked nice, right, before I left. But the picture here is that someone who looks in the mirror and goes, oh, wow, and then turns away and never goes back and looks again and doesn't remember it. 
and walks out in the world that way. And I swear that every time I go out in the public, I see a few of those people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. I see him on the news once in a while, and I'm thinking, like, okay, this guy's the expert I'm supposed to listen to? Anyway. Um, and he says, that what he's telling us, he says, that's, that's like us when we look at the Word of God and then go away and don't do anything with it. We don't do anything about it. Right? Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, because he's talking about how we live as Christians, he looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is this book here, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, God's blessing goes with the doing. We believe and do. And then he says, if anyone among you, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, and this is an example, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So he's saying, if you say, I got this religion, I got these beliefs, but you don't do anything about it. And he uses the example of how we talk. He could have used other examples too. The idea is if you say, hey, I got this wonderful faith, but it doesn't affect how you live, you have deceived yourself. And he says, it's useless. Do you have useless faith today? And I think the reality is probably for most of us here today, we would say, well, it depends. This area of my life, I think I got them. It's real, I'm doing. This area of life, I'm not. Well, guess what? Your faith is useless there then. That's what James is saying. And then he gives another example. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And again, he could have used other examples, but he says, real religion, the kind that pleases God, is where we say, Lord, Lord, and do something about it. He says that that is the kind of faith he's looking for. Okay? This is the bottom line for us. Are we going to do what we have learned? How are we going to live by what we have come to know? Because you can know things are true and not do anything about it. Okay? And so that's the bottom line we want to talk about today. And um, so this, this kind of you know, connects with all nine of the sermons that we've already had, the different topics we've looked at. And it connects with it. Sometimes it was very pointed in there. Other times it wasn't. And so we're going to look at today kind of flows from that and back into it. And it's all intertwined. Okay? If we're going to experience what God intends for us there. And so what's going to happen is we have to make some decisions. We need to make some crucial, once and for all, kinds of decisions. And then once we've made those initial decisions, we need to revisit those decisions at some kind of regular basis and and say, okay, yes, I made this decision. Remind ourselves that we made that decision. Okay, and, and then from time to time, we need to return to that decision and reaffirm it. Okay, I, I made this decision. Now, here's the thing. If you are serious and sincere when you make these decisions, and, and like all of us, you find yourself at some point kind of veering off the path, right, and not really living by that decision, God will remember your decision. And he will work in your life to get you back to it. He'll hold you to it. So that's a good thing. Not a bad thing. But he will hold us to our decisions. So we need to make these decisions, and they said sometimes just we need to reaffirm them 
in our lives. And so the Apostle Paul, when he was talking to um, the, the Corinthians about giving to a special offering, you know, we have, we're giving to feeding hungry kids, right? Well, they had a special offering they were giving to to help poor people in the area of Jerusalem and in Israel, poor believers. And so he had challenged them about giving and they said, oh yeah, we're going to give, you know, and uh, they hadn't done it. And so Paul, so Paul's following up with them about that. And he says this to him. He says, it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. Let's revisit that decision. And now let's do it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion. And so... Far too often we, we don't do what we're supposed to do because somehow or other we think it's going to be burdensome and heavy and, and it's not going to be fun or it's going to be too hard. But he says, no, it's to your what? To your advantage. This is good for you to do what you committed to the Lord. All right? And um, we have the, the, the promise of Jesus. He says, no, no, no. When, and I put the no, no, no in there. Okay? He says, no, no, no. You do what I say. Yeah, life might be hard, but I want you to know something. You take my yoke on you. My burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? That's what we find. It's the other way. Going the world's way that gets hard and ugly and difficult and painful. Remember, it starts off wide and narrows to a very hard place. All right. So what I want to talk to you about today is five decisions. And there could be more decisions than this. I'm not saying this is exhaustive. But five really important decisions that you need to make and then live by daily. These are the decisions that you need to make and then from time to time return to. And remember you made them. Sometimes revisit them very pointedly and reaffirm them. Okay? But these decisions you need to make and live by every day. And the first one is receive Christ as Savior. Well, gee, Walt, you talk to us about that all the time. Well, let me say to you, because some of you are new to us here, maybe, and, and certainly we never know who's watching, and we're really glad that you're there. Uh, but I got to tell you, just based on what the Word of God says and what my experience is in life, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there aren't some of you here today who have been here for a long time who have never settled this issue. You know about it, but you haven't ever made the decision and done something about it. Well, let me just share with you from my heart the same thing that the Apostle Paul said. He said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you've never received Christ as Savior, it's time to do it. Okay? You've heard me explain the gospel many, many times. We're all sinful. We've all sinned against the holy God. We have not measured up to his standards. And because of that, we're separated from him spiritually. And if we die in that condition, we go to hell forever separated from him, a place of torment. Because we have not lived the way God said we should live. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, into the world, who lived the perfect and sinless life, died on the cross. And as he died on the cross... And he's hanging there, and, and you know, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's paying the penalty for our sins. Rises again from the dead that first Easter morning. 
And the Bible tells us that if we will acknowledge those truths about ourselves and God, Jesus is who God said he would, was, did what he said, the, what the Bible says he did, that we can then place our faith in Jesus as Savior. We can receive Christ as Savior. And this has to be a conscious decision on your part. You can't morph into this. You can't float into it. You've got to make a decision to receive Christ as Savior. And it's a once and for all, once in a lifetime kind of decision. So actually, let's do this right now. If that's you, let's all just bow our heads for just a moment. If that's you, let's settle this decision right now, okay? I'm going to pray a prayer to God, and I want you in your heart and mind to pray along with me. You mean it sincerely to God. That's, he knows what you're thinking. Say something like this to God. It's not the magic words, but mean this from your heart. Say, God, I know that I have sinned against you. I haven't lived up to your standards. And my sins have separated me from you. And if I die this way, I'll go to hell. God, I don't want to go to hell. I do believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And that he did what the Bible says he did. Dying for me. Rising again. God, right now, by faith, I trust Jesus as my Savior. I receive Christ as my Savior. And his payment for the penalty for my sins. Amen. All right, look up at me again. So, if you just pray that prayer sincerely from your heart, here or you're watching or you're listening at a later time, the Bible says, and if, you, if, you were, if this is real between you and God, you meant it, that every sin has been forgiven. The payment that Jesus made has now been applied to you. You now have eternal life. When this life ends, you go to heaven to be with the Lord. And then God himself has now moved in. And he's going to hold you to this decision. He's going to come inside and he's going to work on you and help you to understand and help you to, to grow and make the changes in his life, to live your life as, Lord, Lord, I'm doing what you say. Okay? Uh, and normally, many times I ask for a show of hands because I want you to respond to it. I want you to act on it. But here's what I'm going to say to you. This is serious enough, okay, that you need to tell somebody. This is not a decision you just keep yourself. Let me tell you, I'll tell you my own story on this. I, I grew up in a church that um, was kind of mixed on the gospel. It wasn't real clear, but it was a Christian church. And I got away from church. And then in, in college, I started going back to a different church. And they preached the gospel. And I heard it. And I heard it just like you guys have heard it time and time and time again. And I kept saying, well, yeah, okay, I, I believe that. I believe that. And it wasn't until like a year and a half later that all of a sudden one day it hit me. I don't know that I've ever made that decision. And I, I had a three-month period where I would be, I'd be driving along, and I'd just I'd pull over and say, oh, God, if I wasn't saved before, save me now. That doesn't really work. You know why? Because you aren't really settling the issue. I mean, you could. It's potential you could. But for me, one night, just, I'm not going to go back to the circumstance, but one night... I finally said, it just became clear to me. I said, okay, God, I am not saved. I know I'm not saved. And I, I've heard the gospel so many times. I know what I do. And so I said, okay, God, I believe. 
I believe Jesus died for my sins, rose again, and by faith I received Jesus as my Savior. Oh. And I tell you, it's, it's a, I'm not a big spiritual crazy kind of things, but at that point, all of a sudden, I felt that day like heaven opened up and I had a connection. I had a relationship with God. And the service was over and I'm, getting, I'm walking down through the, the sanctuary and I see the youth pastor walking toward me. I'm 19 years old, but anyway, and I thought, oh, you know, you should tell somebody. And I, and I thought, I don't have to tell anybody. They already think I'm saved. They already think I'm a Christian. But this is one of those times where the Holy Spirit really spoke to me. And I don't mean audibly with words, but it became very clear to me. It, what he said to me is, if you don't tell somebody, you're going to be right back where you were before. Doubting, struggling. And so I stepped out and I told the person I just received Christ as Savior. A little bit embarrassing because, gee, I've been coming to church for a year and a half, acting like a Christian. But I told him, and he was just thrilled <laughs> And it's like it's settled in my heart. And I have never doubted that relationship since. Now, I haven't always lived like it. But I never doubted it. So it's important that you tell somebody. So that's what I'm telling you today. You make this decision today, you need to tell somebody. Tell me, tell a friend of yours, tell somebody, okay? And then let's take steps to start doing what a Christian ought to do. Okay? So don't just let this slide. All right, second decision you need to make. You need to settle the lordship issue. We're talking about it. Jesus is Lord. And so the Apostle Paul kind of talks about it like this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Surrender yourself completely to God. Jesus, you are Lord, Lord of all of my life. And, and uh, it is just so crucial that we settle this issue. And the issue is, who is in charge? Who gets to make the biggest decisions? Who, who has veto power, right? Okay, Lord, I'm trying to make a decision. I'm going to head this way unless you stop me. Now, you're going a way that seems consistent with the word, right? But that is, you give him veto power, or you don't give him, you recognize it. And, and so I think about for myself here, again, I've told you this story before, but I found myself at some point in my second or third year at the University of Missouri, I was living at home with my folks at the time, but I was up early and reading my Bible, and um, it just became so clear to me that I needed to settle that issue with the Lord. And so, clear as I can remember clearly, I said, Lord, okay, I, I will do whatever you want me to do, I will go wherever you want me to go. I'll do it whenever you want me to, however you want me to, with whomever you want me to. I will do what you say. And um, you think I've always done what he says? No. But I've revisited that decision and reaffirmed that decision many times in my life. And the Lord has held me to it. Okay? And you need to settle this kind of issue. The third thing, settle the purpose of my life issues. What is the purpose of my life? First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, with, excuse me, which are God's. Uh, you belong to God, so glorify him. Glorify him. What's this? That's a nice religious word, isn't it? 
we say glory to God, and all that, but we don't really always remember what it means. Well, let me ask you a question. When we think about glory, this word glory includes, it, when you look up the original words, it's this idea of really weightiness, heaviness. And it's the idea of God needs to be this really heavy thing in my life. And is there anything about God that is not glorious then? Is there anything about God that, oh, just ignore that. No, it's, everything about God is important and heavy, isn't it? Okay. Uh, and I'm using this word kind of like the hippies used to use it. Heavy. Okay, then I glorify him. So if everything about God is glorious, then how do I glorify God? I let him be seen in my life. And when I live a certain way because of who God is, and I live that way and people see that, God is glorified, isn't it? You see what I mean? They're seeing the glorious God. And so I live my life the way he says to, he is glorified. People can see him in me. Whether they realize that's what they're seeing or not, they can see him in me. And here's the cool thing. You glorify God uniquely as you. Nobody else can glorify God the same way you can. Because you are a unique creation of God. And so it gets expressed in your life in a way that can't be expressed in anybody else's. I mean, a lot of things are similar, but you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a uniqueness. Isn't that exciting? That I get to go out in the world, you get to go out in the world and, and live what God wants us to do. Lord, Lord, living by that. That people get to see in us uniquely the glory of God in a way they can't see it in place else. And so that means if I don't do it also, that's lacking. See? It matters, doesn't it? All right? So we need to settle this issue. And I remember, I, I told you before too, Glenda and I settling this issue when we were attending Bible college. Decided what's the purpose of our lives? And, and a, a verse that became very special to us, Romans 14, 8. You know, for whether we live, we live to the Lord. For whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. It's his purposes that our lives are about not ours separate from him in any way, shape, or form. And again, we've had to revisit that. We've had to reaffirm that in our lives. But you need to settle the purpose of your life issue. Again, the, the fourth thing, settle the not turning back issue. We sing, you know, uh, I decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's right. And um, well, let's just... In John chapter 6, there's a, a story that is told about Jesus preaching, teaching. He talks about uh, some spiritual truths, very important. And it was hard. And it, it, people start saying, this is hard. And it says many of those who were following him stopped following him. They turned away. They turned back. And so Jesus talks to his disciples about it. And he says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you... Also want to go away? It's hard. I get it. It's hard. Do you want to go away too? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So I want you to ask you to think about this. When you find life getting terribly hard, sometimes it does. And maybe living like a Christian is costing you something. 
If nothing else, it's going against everything that comes natural to you. And you're seeking to live this way. And your tendency might be to think, that's too hard, I'm stepping back. I'm, I'm turning back. Well, I want to ask you, where are you going to go? That's going to be better than walking with Jesus in the middle of the trouble. It's a lie. It's a lie that you've been programmed to believe since you were little. If it's hard, turn back, don't do it. No, walk with the Lord in it. And, and he will uphold you in it. Uh, where else are you going to go, right? We believe and know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's what's really true. Uh, once again, and I get it, we're emotional people. It's part of who we are. But life gets hard and it's tragedy. And it's sometimes the things blow. I mean, you're only one text message away from disaster at any point in time, aren't you? You receive that message, you don't know, right? And, and those things happen. And again, the emotion and our tendency is oh, to pull back, pull back. But what's true? Wait a minute. Nothing that's true has changed. He's still Lord. He's still sovereign over all. He promised that anything that happened in my life, he can use for good. The best thing I can do is to stick with Jesus. When it gets bad. But the idea is, you don't want to be making this decision when it starts happening. Because that's when you're the most emotional, right? That's when it's the hardest. You want to make that decision now. Or if you've already made it, you want to reaffirm it. And so, God, I, you know, I am not turning back. I am with you. You know, in Second uh, Thessalonians, it talks about those who have heard the gospel, who know the truth, who said no to God, and what their eventual destiny is. And Paul talks about, he says, the problem is that they did not love the truth. Yeah. They didn't love the truth. By the way, the truth is the most important thing you ever need to know. Yes, he is. I mean, I, I joke with people. Sometimes people ask me how things are going. I say, it's going pretty well as far as I know. And if you know different, please don't tell me. <laughs> but in reality, I do want to know what's really true. Okay, and so this is what Peter's saying. Look, here's the real truth. Where would we go? You are what's really true. So settle the not turning back issue. I'm not turning back. Settle the issue. God will hold you to it, and then he will help you with it. Okay, then the fifth decision. Settle the keep moving forward issue. This kind of goes with not turning back, right? Keep moving forward issue. Paul talks about this. Paul really messed up pretty royally in his life, you know. He had Christians in prison, had them killed. I mean, he, he messed up pretty badly. And even though he thought he was very religious. And so he talks about this. He says, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus did this when he prays in the garden. He knows what's coming. And he says, oh God, is there any, Father, is there any way not to do this? But not my will, but yours. I'm going forward. I know where it's going. I'm going forward. And we need to live that way in our Christians' lives, our lives as well. Um, going back to the old way of life is never the right decision. Never. As in, never? Going back to the old way of life is never the right decision. And it will always lead you to a hard place. Temporary relief, long-term grief. 
That's pretty cool. I just made that up right then. <laughs> Temporary relief, long-term grief. Okay? All right. But look what the Apostle Paul talks about this. He's, he is headed toward Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit has made it clear to him that when he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be taken into captivity. Life is going to get really hard. He might even be killed. He isn't sure. And people are begging him everywhere he goes, don't go. Don't go. But he knew God wanted him to go. He's not saying, Lord, Lord, and not doing what he says. He's saying, Lord, Lord, and doing what he said, which is go. And then he says this. Okay, he says, yeah, everybody's telling me bad things are coming. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going forward. And I can tell you there are times in my life where with the, the emotional hits that I've taken, and, and sometimes that's my fault, but they're real anyway. <laughs> the emotional hits I've taken and, and the way the circumstances look, and I gotta be honest with you, I didn't know what to do, but all I knew is that I was going to go forward with the Lord. I'm going to go forward. And boy, am I glad I have. Those are the kind of decisions you never regret. So I'm, you, make, make this one, you make the decision now so that when the time comes, I've already decided. I've already decided I'm going forward. Okay? So these five decisions to make and live by daily. Uh, go ahead and put the summary up there if you would, Eduardo. These things, and like I said, there could be other decisions, but I just think these are really crucial if you're going to end up living the whole time this life that's worth living. And so finally, what I want to challenge you to do is continue working these decisions into your life. Go ahead and go to that, Eduardo. Continue working these decisions into your life. And here's important, depending on God to enable you to live them out. I'm not telling you, you've got to gut this out. No. Not in your strength, but in his. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 talks about this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, right? You be, keep changing your way to match what he says in the word. Let God change you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this idea of continuing to grow in these things. So, you make these decisions. If you're sincere in them, God will hold you to them. But not only will he hold you to them, he will help you with them. And so I'm glad, so glad the scripture says these things. Philippians 1, 6, right? Being confident of this very thing, he who began a good work in you will complete it. Right? He's going to finish the work that he started in you. That when you receive Christ as Savior, actually probably when he started calling you to that, when you receive Christ as Savior, he started, he's going to finish it. And we can cooperate with him or not. It goes a lot better when we cooperate with him. Okay? And then in 1 Thessalonians, he says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctifying means making you more and more like who he wants you to be. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. That's such good news, isn't it? I'm making these huge decisions, and God is going to help me live by them.
So the bottom line, I need to keep moving beyond knowing what God says to doing what God says. I want to challenge you to do that, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for those who may have received your son as Savior. And I pray, Lord, that they will do something about it, that they will tell somebody about it. And you can begin that process of working with them, helping them to grow. But for all of us, Lord, I pray that we will be doers of the word, not hearers only, that when we say, Lord, Lord, it will mean something. And, oh, God, we can't do it on our own. We will fail, so we ask you for your strength. We ask you for your presence at work in our lives and, and uh, correcting us when we need it and strengthening us when we need it and comforting us when we need it. We might live out this life that you have for us, and when all is said and done, it will have been a life worth living because it was a life lived for you. Thank you. Amen.